Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, as it says on the screen, we started a new series last week, Belonging, Compassion, and Caring in an Isolated World. And last week, what we did was we reviewed New Life's very simple core values. They're stated in three words, belong, believe, behave. And as we looked at that, what we talked about was how even though we live in a world that's more connected than ever through Facebook and Twitter, texting, emails, and the like, there are many people in this world that's so connected that feel like we're living or or, or we're in a room full of people all by ourselves. We feel isolated. And we talked about how new life is a place that in Jesus' name is a place to belong. You can come here and you don't have to believe anything. You can just come and we are glad you're here. If you're here for the very first time or you've been coming since new life began, we are glad that you're here just because you're breathing. We're glad that you're here. But then what we talked about was the believe word. And we said that over time what happens is those who come to the church of Jesus Christ are taught his word, his teachings, his truth. And those things become beliefs in our lives. And what we believe, just basically, is first of all, we believe there's a God. There are some people who don't even believe there's a God, but we believe there's a God. We believe that God has a son whose name is Jesus. And he came to earth as an infant. He took on flesh. The God of the universe took on flesh, became a human being. He grew up, lived a perfect life. And at the age of about 30, he started a ministry on earth where he taught uh, with an authority like nobody had ever taught before. He touched the hearts and minds of of everybody he spoke to. And and then he healed sick people. He cast demons out of people. He raised dead people. And and people loved him, except for there was a certain group of people that didn't so much love him because of uh, the potential uh, problems that he was going to cause for them. So he was crucified. And that was God's plan. We believe that God's plan was to, to die for the people who he created who had sinned, which means just turning against God's will. And then Jesus died on the cross, shed his innocent blood to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose from the dead. He ascended or went back to heaven. And he's there right now. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. And then uh, he promised he's coming back one day to claim his own. And we're going to live with him forever. That's what we believe. Now, when you believe those things in your head, it doesn't do much. But when you believe those things in your head and in your heart... What happens is, Jesus said that that becomes a new life. He called it being born again. And when that happens, behavior starts to change. So belong means you're glad and welcome to be here just because you're alive. But if you believe a certain thing about Jesus and about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then, and you receive him as Savior and Lord, what's going to happen over time is our behaviors are going to change. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to take that idea of belong, believe, behave a, a little deeper and make it a little more specific. The Apostle Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, who watched him throughout his ministry and was uh, one who Jesus chose to pass on the truth to the next generations after Jesus returned to heaven, wrote two letters that are included in the Bible. And in the first letter, Peter said something about believing and belonging. And we're going to look at those. And, And actually, for Peter, belonging is a given. And that's why today's message is titled, Belonging is a Given. And our take-home point, and for those of you who are here for the first time, I seek to make one point every week, not five, ten, just one. And here it is. When belonging becomes a given in our lives, 
we reflect the new life Jesus died to give us. So as you can see, if you were here last week, you can see this is a different kind of belonging. This is, we'll call it step two in belonging. Step one is just belonging because you're here, because we love you and want you to be here just because you're alive. But step two is we take the beliefs that Jesus offered us and we internalize them. And Peter says when that happens, we start to become like him and then belonging becomes a given in our everyday lives. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 4 through 12. And if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up if you have a Bible app. Turn that on. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we have them out in the gathering area. And please take one with you when you go home this week uh, so you can read it and study it and learn more about what we believe as uh, those who follow the living God of the universe. But it'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. So please follow along as we read God's Word. Today we usually read from the New Living Translation. Today it's from the NIV, the New International Version. Let's listen to God's Word. As you come to him, that is Jesus, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious." But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the day he returns. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of truth that remind us there's a deeper kind of belonging, belonging to your Son, Jesus. And today, as we focus on that, I pray that your Spirit would touch each of us and impress on our hearts that one thing that we need to know or experience in order to be those who belong at that deeper level to Jesus and to know the life that only He can give. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Peter starts by reminding us who Jesus is and who we are in relationship to Jesus. He tells us that as you come to him, that is Jesus, Jesus is the living stone with a capital S. He's been rejected by men or people, but chosen by God and precious to him. And so Jesus has a certain relationship to God. He is God, but he is chosen by God, even though rejected by people. And also it says that we are like living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. And we're a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God in Jesus Christ. So do you see the connection there? First, there's Jesus. 
who was rejected by people but accepted by God. And that's a good thing. When you're rejected by people, it's a very good thing to be accepted by God. And Jesus was. And some of you are here today because you've already trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You're connected to Him. You belong to Him. And you want to belong to a family, a church family, that speaks the truth and in the love of Jesus. Some of you may be here today because you're just checking out this Jesus stuff. Maybe a friend brought you. Maybe um, you, you just want to know, is there anything to this stuff? Or maybe you've heard about New Life and you just came to check us out today. Whatever brings you here today, we're glad that you're here. Now, the central point in Peter's message is this. Jesus was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God and he's precious to God. When Jesus came here 2,000 years ago, the interesting thing is at the age of 30 when he started his public ministry, he was loved by almost everybody. Jesus drew crowds wherever he went. If you read the Gospels, what you find is everywhere Jesus went, the crowds came along. And why not? Jesus taught with an authority like nobody before him had ever been able to do. He, he didn't just address the mind. He addressed the spirit, the, the, the soul if you will. And not only did he do that, but he fed those who were hungry. He, he healed those who were sick. He cast demons out of people and he even raised the dead. So everybody loved Jesus. Well, not everybody. There, were, there was a group of people and that group of people were the religious leaders. And what they decided was that two things that were really, really wrong with Jesus. Number one was what he was teaching was contrary to the law of Moses, the, the law that they had, they had been following for thousands of years. And they thought that Jesus' teachings were contrary to the law. But they weren't because Jesus himself said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The second thing that they were concerned about, though, was that the Romans were starting to take notice. And their concern was that with all the crowds turning to Jesus, the Romans would think this was an uprising and they would squelch it and the whole nation would suffer. At one point, the chief priest, the, the leading priest among all of the Jews, made a decision. It was better for one man to die, that would be Jesus, than for the nation to be put down. And so they decided to crucify Jesus. They couldn't do it because they didn't have the authority because they were under Roman rule. So they got the Romans to crucify Jesus, even though the Roman governor did not want to do it. Now, it sounds pretty bad when you're rejected so much by people that you're dead. But if you're rejected by people and God accepts you, that's, as I said, a good thing. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, demonstrating that he was who he said he was. He was the Messiah, God's anointed one. He was the son and is the son of God. And he's the one who takes away the sin of the world. Now, here's the exciting thing for us in all of that. Jesus was accepted by God, but Peter tells us we are too. Because of what Jesus did, we are accepted by God as well. And we become, in metaphorical language, living stones. There's the living stone, Jesus but we become living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. I love this image because so often people think of a church in terms of a building. The church has never been a building. The church is people. But we are a spiritual building, and, that's, and, and we are the ones who belong to the living God of the universe. And that's this deeper sense of belonging that Peter wants us to experience where we now know that belonging is a given in our lives. It's not just a belonging because we're alive. It's a belonging because we're connected. The, the isolation that all of us experience melts away when we're in relationship with the living God of the universe and we become part of that spiritual house, the church. So for Peter, the point of Jesus being accepted by God was such an important point 
that he actually quoted two Old Testament scriptures. Now, the one's from the book of Psalms and one's from the book of Isaiah, but this is what it says. We read it together. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion. That's God is the eye there. A chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, there's that word, believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So did you see the word believe right there in the middle? It's used in two ways. Those who believe that Jesus is the one rejected but accepted by God, those people find Jesus precious. But to those who don't believe the message, and there are many who don't believe the message, that for them, we're told that Jesus becomes two things. The capstone, the, 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 the centerpiece of the whole thing, which they haven't recognized, but he still is the capstone, but also a stumbling block. Now, Jesus himself isn't a stumbling block. The disobedience that we live in before we come to know Jesus is the stumbling block. And Peter makes a statement that we could, you know, get on a rabbit trail here because he says they were destined for this. In other words, if you're sinning, you're destined to do that. I guess that would, by inference, mean that if you're not sinning, you were destined for that too. That's not what Peter's mostly concerned about. What he's concerned about is that those who disobey God's message are isolated from him. And if we're trying to talk about caring and compassion in an isolated world, if we want to get rid of isolation, we need to come into relationship with Jesus because he overcame the sin of the world that isolates all of us. Now, have any of you ever experienced that sense of isolation when you're doing something sinful? Anybody here ever experienced that? Huh? Last night, nobody did. Um, I, I asked them, and there I said, well, I want to shake all your hands, you know, because I never met anybody who never was like that. But anyway... Peter moves quickly back to those who do believe and those who do obey. He says, but you, you who believe, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. What an incredible statement. And belonging is at the center of it. Did you see that? When God chose us and when we respond and we receive that that relationship by the death of Jesus on the cross, when we, Jesus called it being born again, when we get that new life, what happens is several things. Number one is we're a royal priesthood. We're not just priests, but we're royal priests. Now, when you think of priests, obviously, some of you will think of, uh, you know, a guy with a black suit on with a little white collar here, but he's saying we're all priests. And not just priests, which means we serve God and we represent God in the world, but we are royal. That means we're part of the kingdom of God that's eternal. And then it says we're a holy nation. And he's not talking about Israel here. He's talking about the nation. It doesn't have borders anywhere. It isn't an ethnic group. It's the group of people, the nation, the kingdom of the living God. And it stretches from here to the ends of the earth. And I, I've been saying it the last several services, the last couple of services, that um, if you've ever had the opportunity to go anywhere else outside the United States and have met believers there, you know what this statement means. I use the extreme example of Tibet because for me, Tibet's the worst place in the world. Not because the people are bad, but because where I was was 17,000 feet above sea level and I can't breathe there. And uh, I find out, found out why they call it yak meat, because when you can't breathe and you eat it, you yak. But anyway, um, the, the bottom line is that when you're in that condition, you find out if you have brothers and sisters. 
because they care for you. They offer you a bed. They offer you, you know, some stuff that helps you clean up stuff. But anyway, I had those things there. I had brothers and sisters even in Tibet, which is the, one, of, one of the highest places in the world. And I'm sure if you go to one of the lowest places in the world, it would be the same. Because we are a holy nation. We belong to God. And it's because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. When we talk about compassion and caring in an isolated world, Jesus is the author of compassion and caring. He's the one that brings us together in a family. He has called us, it says, out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that's a polite way of saying he's called us out of sin into freedom into a right relationship whereby we're made righteous, justified, just as if we never sinned by the blood of Jesus. And so we, no matter where we came from in our lives, no matter how horrendous our lives may have been, whatever darkness we've known, whatever isolation we've experienced, when we come to Jesus, belonging becomes a given and we're in the light of Jesus. He goes on to say, once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, some people say there's no difference among people in the world. We just need to figure out how to all get along. But what Peter is saying is there's a tremendous difference. There's a divide among people. And the people who are isolated in sin are different from the people who are in the light. And, and we need to be called into that light by the grace and love of Jesus. And once we are, we're a people. We belong together. We become the people of the living God. We were once not a people. In fact, the Apostle Paul made that clear in his letter to the Colossian Christians. He said, you are all once enemies of God. We were all once enemies of God. But Jesus did something about that. He wasn't willing for us to stay enemies. He came. He lived the perfect life none of us could. And then he died to give us the new life that only he could give us. He's the one who has broken down the source of isolation, our sin. Now, I know many people who think that the God of the Bible is an angry God, a God who wants us to live in misery and suffering. Now, first, let me say the God of the Bible is the only God. There is no other. But the people who think that that God is an angry God who wants us to be in misery and suffering doesn't know him. They don't know him. They don't know him personally. They don't know what it means to belong to him. What we all know is that we've all suffered. We know that those around us suffer. And when we experience that suffering, it's easy to misinterpret it, especially if we live in America. The reason I say that is because over the past several decades, there have been those who have proclaimed from places like this, as I am doing this morning, that if you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, your life is going to suddenly turn around. And it does. But what they say is the turnaround is you have a bigger bank account, a nicer car, a bigger house. You never get sick. You never have problems. And you'll get a promotion at work. Well, then what happens when your children don't do what you know is right, when you get cancer, when you lose your job, when, when you don't have the money for the new car? What happens is if you've been told everybody that follows Jesus gets the desires of their heart, then what happens is you start to, to wonder, is this stuff true? Because if you've been taught a lie and it doesn't come true, then you believe the lie. What God does not say is that everybody who follows him will get everything we want. What God does say is that he's with us no matter what we experience in our lives. And if you read the New Testament in particular, after Jesus died and rose again, which is the time when everything should be wonderful, if it's going to be, you read about people like Paul whose life was 
from a worldly standpoint, miserable after he started following Jesus. He was a, a wealthy guy, a well-positioned uh, guy. He was a Pharisee, a leader among the Jews. And then he started following Jesus, and he started getting beaten up and arrested. And ultimately, he was executed. But he would always say, as he was talking about those things, about the blessing of following Jesus. The thing is, Peter closes out by reminding us some things that are true about following Jesus. He says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter did not assume that once we started following Jesus that everything would be suddenly sweet and rosy. He urged us as aliens and strangers in the world. Think about that. I actually, since I've been preaching this three times, whenever that weird noise was going on when we were singing, I was thinking about aliens and strangers, you know. But anyway, but aliens are from another place. And, and you know, as we commonly use the word, it's from another planet. We are from another planet, so to speak, once we know Jesus, because we belong to the kingdom of light and we live in the world that's still dark. And so we're strangers here. We're aliens here once we have that sense of belonging that's a given because we belong to Jesus Christ. And what Peter reminds us is that we are engaged in a war against our soul. That's after we know Jesus. That's not just before. We're in it afterwards. And so we're supposed to abstain from evil. And we're supposed to understand that we live in a place that right now has a great deal of evil where people are saying what's good is evil and what's evil is good and everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And when we, we belong to Jesus in this deeper way, this second way, the struggle begins. If you've never had a struggle with sin, then maybe you've never actually started this, the struggle of following Jesus. You see, when we don't know Jesus as our our master, as our Lord, as our Savior, when we don't have that sense of belonging that's a given, we don't experience the, the testing and the temptation that, that comes along when we're already in that kingdom of, of darkness. The Apostle Paul reminded us in his book, to, a letter to the Galatians chapter 5, that the Holy Spirit, I always like to use this little image, the Holy Spirit, and, and I'm going to use this as Chris Marshall here, my flesh, my old sinful nature, which is still in me after I trust Jesus, where the spirit and the flesh are in a battle. It says this in Galatians 5. And it says, in this life, we're never free from the struggle. Now, how could that be possible? If the Holy Spirit is God, and he is, and I'm a human being, how could we have a battle and the Holy Spirit wouldn't always win? The answer is very simple. Because God does not force us to do anything, even after we follow him. And so we get to say, in any given moment in our lives, Holy Spirit, come. You know, just like we sang, burn bright within me, scorch deep our sin. Or we get to say, you know, Holy Spirit, I really sort of want to handle this on my own. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit, we don't pin the Holy Spirit. He just watches. And he waits for us to return, which the Bible calls repent. And then he comes in and he, he you know, he takes over. And, and our lives go in the direction of light and wholeness and righteousness. And, and that battle is going on within believers. It's going on in us all the time. Belongers. And, even, and that's why the behavior doesn't automatically change. You know, it is belong, believe, behave, but it's not in 10 seconds. The belong, you know, that happens in 10 seconds. 
The believe, that can, hap- can happen in 10 seconds. It usually doesn't. It takes longer. But the behavior change, that transformation, is a lifelong struggle that we go through as Jesus' followers. And every New Testament writer assumes that we can win this battle. And so often today in the American church, we believe we can't win the battle. But we are told that we can. In fact, Peter assumes that our lives are going to be so changed, our behavior is going to be so changed that this is what happens. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We are living in a world that sees good as evil and evil as good, that, that sees sin as okay. And the truth of the matter is, if we speak the truth of Jesus in the love of Jesus, people will often reject it. But what I've found is this. If we speak the truth of Jesus in the love of Jesus, people will maybe reject the truth, but they won't reject us. Out there in the world, many people think that the church is mean-spirited because they think God is mean-spirited. They've misunderstood God, and, and they maybe haven't misunderstood the way Christians have acted. Here's what I think that we need to remember. When we're right, we don't need to yell. People yell when they know they're wrong, but they want people to think they're right. When you're right, you don't have to yell. When we're right, and we have the love of God in our lives, we can take sin for what it is, sin, and we can take it on and we can battle with it and we can engage in this war that's against our soul and we can have victory. And as we do that, one of the things I've learned, and I'll be honest with you, this hasn't always been the way I've been. And you can go back about five or eight years ago and I was one of those ones who was yelling about being right. But what I've learned as my behavior is changing to become more and more like Jesus is if you calmly explain the truth, even those who reject it will thank you. What I've heard from people, maybe not in these words, but they thank me for disagreeing with them without being disagreeable. And when you have a friend, there's an opportunity that down the road, the Holy Spirit will use that friendship to bring that person from the belonging just because they're alive to belonging that's a given because of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the plan that God has for our lives. Now, one of the most helpful scriptures that I've been reading and reflecting on pretty much every day during these last couple weeks, which have been very difficult in our family life, is James chapter 1, verse 2. It says this. It actually goes through verse 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, that is not the Pollyanna-type Christianity so often espoused in our day here in America. It recognizes, and it actually it's the same Christianity that's espoused by not just James, the brother of Jesus, but by Peter, by Jude, by Paul, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by every writer of the New Testament. What they say is very clear, and it's very simple. We're going to suffer. And we can consider that joy because as we suffer, our faith is tested and it grows. And as it grows stronger and stronger and stronger, we develop perseverance. And whatever we face, we're going to be able to face it together because we belong. And and when I say together, the together might just be the Holy Spirit and me. Or Or the together might be the Holy Spirit, me, and all of us together. And that's the difference 
that we have to offer the world. And when the world sees that kind of life among church people, among Christians, among followers of Jesus, what's going to happen when Jesus returns is they're going to glorify him, even though for them it will be too late. But they're going to understand that God is who he says he is, that his son is who he says he is, and that eternity is going to be either with him or apart from him. So which step of belonging have you arrived at in your life at this moment? Are you, are you here today and you just belong in that sense of you're breathing and you're alive and you're here with us? We're glad you are. But maybe you're ready to take that next step of belonging, that step where you say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord, which means my owner. I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior. If you're at that point in your life right now where you're, you're questioning, you're thinking, why not make today the day that you make that step? I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen. It's the same prayer that we looked at last week, and I'm going to read it so everybody sees it. I never like to ask anybody to pray anything they haven't seen. It says, Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. It means I've turned away from God and done things he doesn't want me to do. I have not trusted you as Savior, saving us from sin and death, and Lord, which is owner of my life. Today I turn away from my sins and ask you to come in and take over. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may start to live as your follower and as part of your family. Amen. If you've never taken that step of belonging to the place where belonging is a given and you want to do it right now, as we say that prayer again, would you say it with me? If you've already said that prayer or something like it at some point in your life, you already belong at that deeper level, would you just say it aloud so that those who are doing it don't feel, you know, a little uncomfortable? So let's do that. Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I have not trusted you as Savior and Lord, as owner of my life. Today I turn away from my sins and ask you to come in and take over. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with your Spirit that I may start to live as your follower and as a part of your family. Amen. If you uh, said that prayer for the first time, and if you meant it, then you're now a belonger at a deeper level than ever before. You belong to the family of God, the holy nation, the royal priesthood of the living God of the universe. Welcome. As we go out today, here's today's commitment. And once again, for those of you who are new, at the end of every message, we have a commitment. Because information without application is just information. But information with application brings transformation to our lives. So here it is. I will live each day... As one who belongs to God. I will live each day as one who belongs to God. What does that mean? It means that we're never in isolation. We're never alone. Wherever we go, even by ourselves, God is with us. Martin Luther said God in one person is a majority. Actually, God's the majority, but when we add ourselves to it, then we're automatically part of the majority. God gives us the ability to speak the truth in love in situations we're going to experience every day this week. I guarantee you. We will go out into the world and we will find people with whom we disagree and they disagree with us about God. So we have the opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit and speak his truth in love. And what we get to do is we get to be that light in a world of darkness. And eventually, eventually, as our belonging and believing translates into behavior that's like Jesus, eventually people will glorify God because of our lives. So let's pray and let's ask God to fill us anew so that we can go out and live as those who belong to God every day. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for who you are. 
We thank you for the truth of the words that we read today and that we talked about together. God, we want to belong at the deepest level there is. And I pray today that those of us who already have made that commitment, that you would fill us with your spirit anew and afresh, that we can go out into your world speaking your truth and love, being light and salt in a dark and tasteless world to the end that you may be glorified and that people may know what it is to belong, that the isolation so prevalent in our culture might be ended by your presence. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.